Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead two minutes before half time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! Welcome to Beyond the New to the Football Well English Podcast. I'm your host Liam and as always I'm joined by Tom. Tom, how are things with you? Seems like the rhythm is still there, Liam. You haven't lost anything. No, nope, it's still there. Uh, Stad as ever because of who we support. <laughs> but you know, we're going to try this again one more year. Um, third season, fourth season, I can't even count anymore. Third, I think. I think. I think February 2020, I think. Uh, or, I yeah, so we're, we're past the three-year mark. Hmm. Sadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, I'm joined by Jonathan as well. How are things with you, Jonathan? Great. I'm, I'll be the optimist one again this season, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Try bring some positive energy, at least, because as you heard from the start of it, after three years of this, it's way <laughs> on mine and Tom's. <laughs> to be fair, after no, three years, no, I still haven't had... A positive prediction from Jonathan. He's always predicted a draw or a loss. So, you know, but have I been wrong? No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's easy. It's easy to remain positive when you're always getting the results correct. <laughs> it, it's it's harder to remain positive when you're optimistic and inevitably you're always wrong, um, as I've been for three years. I like to but... point out that last season I predicted we wouldn't be in the top five, and you guys were all like, "Oh, podium." Yeah, and I don't think there'll be many. That? No, I'm just saying that, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think there'll be many podium predictions this year, but we'll get no. to that stage towards the end of the podcast. Obviously, this is our annual season preview episode. We'll be talking about the transfer window, a bit of the, um, how do you call it, lover's tiff between Texter and Ola um, pre-season, and then what our thoughts are upon the upcoming season and if we need to do any more work in the transfer window. But as it's... As we're towards the end of pre-season, we're recording this before the Crystal Palace game on Saturday on Thursday night. We've played four games. Uh, we've won one against, I think it was Dutch second division opposition called Tremel. Um, and then besides that, we've lost the other three games. Um, they've been pretty boring s- spectacles from what I've watched. Um, I can't say I've been enthused by much what have you thought of preseason so far Jonathan well there's some as usual you know you see some positive players you know Ella Rouge getting some playing time has been exciting for him 
and it looks like he's being part of the rotation. Maybe you know we don't know until the season starts really, and we don't know the recruits. But um, there's some concerns. You know the defense is a problem, but as I you know the general topic is that right before the podcast started, we haven't seen the best eleven at any point on the same time. We've never seen Barcola, Sharkey, like it together really, or a handful of minutes. And so we don't really know what we what we're getting. Um, we've seen Mata, who's been uh, the new recruit, who's been pretty uh, solid, except he's played out of position for most of the games in a center back position. Lovren got injured right at the beginning of preseason. So we really don't even have a back four that's played together. We don't know who the midfielders are. Le Penon has been starting recently, but I don't think he'll the starter. I don't know. I'd be surprised if that's the case. Or, um, so I don't know what we can really take out this preseason besides the fact that Lacazette, everything's going through him. He's the whole offense we have. Um, that Lopez is still solid. I know people give him a lot of criticism on, on social media. I'm nef- definitely not one of those. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in Liga, and I'm, he's an experienced player, and every year he's more experienced, and I think that he's been pretty good uh, you know, this preseason. And um, you know, Mata, like I said, is a seems to be a good recruit. Uh I don't know how great it is that he's taken Kumbedi's position because we were all pretty excited about Kumbedi to uh, grow and he might get no playing time at all if Mata is really solid. So that's a little bit disappointing. And we know how Blanc is not a fan when there's a player with experience at the same position. Usually he'll pick the experienced player. So that's a little bit of a downer. But um, the glaring things that are wrong is uh, the midfield to me. Um, I don't know if Tolisso Le Penon... Tolisso is not a shell of himself who is not the player he once was. And Le Penon is not a top five Ligue 1 team player. Um, you know, he's, he's a Ligue 1 player, I think, but he's not someone who's going to start for a Champions League caliber team that we hope we could be someday. And so I don't know. I think the, there's a lot of being talked about, you know, who this midfield recruit is going to be, but the weeks go by and we don't have anyone. And I don't think it's going to be someone who's going to start right away or, or take over that position. So... Um, a lot of questions, um, not a lot of answers. And, of course, Blanc, you know, um, the one thing, the pattern all these games is that Lyon starts each half really poorly. They start, they concede chances, goals almost. Um, it seems to me, and I don't want to be this, start the season with a Blanc bashing, you know, because I'm going to give him a chance again this year. But he just doesn't seem to have the passion and the energy or the involvement to try to get this team to win. The players come in, they're not pumped up, they're not fired up. And so, to me, that's why they are always poor in the beginning of halves. And, you know, he said a comment over the preseason, which was, you know, I wasn't, he had an interview where he said, I wasn't having much fun last season and that it's not very fun to be in this position. And I'm looking at this stage, I, I want to have, you know, I want to have fun. And it's just, it goes, it doesn't go with what top coaches in the world are now they're stressed they sleep two hours a night they're working crazy hard watching 100 hour tape and and tactics and they're pulling their hair out if they have hair you know and so Blanc is the total opposite and i don't know if that's really the style anymore and that what concerns me just his involvement overall so that's my recap of preseason from what you've just described and what I've seen, there isn't one thing you've said that I disagree with. Um, from the game that I have watched, the full 90 minutes, the way you described the opening 10 minutes, it was like 
a 24-hour supermarket, my favourite analogy to describe a defence, it was completely open. Just chance after chance after chance, whether it be Ahmad Diallo, Sancho, Anthony, they just got a plethora of chances. And that's why I, I gave Lopez man of the match in that game. If it wasn't for him in the opening 10 minutes, it would have been, you know, it'd be carnage. We could have been looking at 6 7 nil down within the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then, yeah, as you've said, young players coming through. I've not seen a lot, so I can't really comment, but um, El Alouche looked good against United. Um, and yeah, really, the when you're seeing your team lose in pre-season, it's not the end of the world. But when you're, when you're watching highlights and the highlight reels are so boring and there's the chances are like, you know, a shot from 25 yards out that's never going to trouble the keeper. It's almost a case of where's the creativity, where's the attacking flair, where's the you know unpredictability. And as you made the good point, Jonathan, we don't, we haven't had uh, Luke uh, Barcola and Kakre and Shirky because they've been on under twenty one euros duty early, and I don't think they came back for the twenty fourth of July into training. But even still, you know, Leon have got some attacking quality. I mean, Sars just. I want to throttle him and, you know, bring him to life. I will say Jafinho's looked a little bit better in pre-season. Um, he's been lively. He, he looked good against United, but again, that end product is lacking. Um, yeah, not a lot of positives, but again, it's only pre-season. You've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Is there any positives you can take from what you've seen in pre-season, Tom? Actually, I wasn't going to underline any positives, really. Um, when I see pictures coming out of of the open trainings they've had recently with Shirky on the right wing and Kakri as a 10 that just does not sound very promising. Kakri and um, Lepinot and Tuliso in midfield as well. Of course, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the whole DNCG debacle and so on, but Tapia was supposed to be in that midfield. You know, experienced player with, with international experience and experience with Celta Vigo. Now it seems that he's not willing to leave Rafa Benitez, which, you know, when the other choice is Laurent Blanc, I completely get it. Um, and, you know, of course, you can underline matter, and that's great. I mean, he's he's seemed muscular, and, you know, for some reason, I keep on thinking he's, he's some sort of Aaron Wan-Bissaka, always, you know, very muscly and, and jostling people out of, of the way. So at least that's a positive. Uh, I haven't seen much of Alvero yet, but from the highlight reels I've seen of him from last season with um, Sochou, he looks like a sort of unbalanced Pogba, sort of like long legs, running through midfield, tries tricks that don't always play off, but he's a player that takes risks and can break defences, or the first line of defence at least. So... We probably can't do our ideal eleven just yet, just because purely the fact that you know Barcola is still getting more offers from PSG and um, Lukeba might leave to Leipzig anyway, and so on. So I think we have to do our ideal eleven on the first of September once everything's over. Um, but for now, there's, there's just really not many signs of things improving from last year. Not really much going on in the transfer window and I say this we've just signed Kareta Char from Southampton as a, as a loan so 
I have to underline how ingenious the the deal is. You know, the fact that we've sort of gone from a five million offer to a loan, paid loan, but like you get him back next year, or just a way to get around the regulations. And well, it's pretty ingenious, but then again, it sort of comes out as a sort of mafioso club tactics, which doesn't inspire me at all. But we'll get into that later on. Um. I think we just need to try and focus on what's ahead of us. I don't know when the episode will be out, probably more or less before the Crystal Palace game. If we can't show anything against Crystal Palace, who are by no means a bad team, but probably looking on the downfall and looking downwards this year, then upwards, it is still a Premier League side, but we need to start showing something. You know, you usually say you get into preseason and start going up and up in the levels. And I've just had to get through all the highlights of Marseille. They've showed that things are improving, even though the results aren't there. At least you're showing that things are consistent and there's attacking output and creativity and signs that things can improve in the near future. With Leon, the difference it's, it's, with OM is they've signed some good players. Well, and no, exactly. Coach. Marcelino is a top-level coach. No, of course. Trophies. But it's an example yeah. of like what you're no, supposed to be doing. I agree. I understand your argument. I just think, you know, that OM for me are pinned on to finish second this season. I don't know they'll be PSG. But even Lance you know, you take, weaker. You take Lance, you take Lille. A lot of these teams have progressively got into their preseason and mm-hmm. have improved and have shown oh, that yeah. even Where though the results haven't. aren't there, that they're actually trying to create something. And of course, all these other teams that I've just mentioned have better coaches better signings, better teams. So we could probably start looking at what Reims or Clermont or even lower down the table are doing and say, hey, maybe they're you know, not doing so well either and we can definitely finish top half of the table. Great, but that's not what we want as well. You know, no. um, we're aiming for higher, but of course you can't conclude anything from preseason and there's still three, four weeks left of the transfer window and who knows, we might bring in one or two more bodies in. The real question is how many players we can kick out of, of that dressing room, which feels like a rotting apple, really. Yeah, I think Toko Akambi is one that will go. We know that, I think. I'm surprised yeah, but it's even the likes of Kadawera and so on. It's the kind of players I that... wouldn't be surprised to see Tino Kadawera stay, considering... No, that's... that's... Yeah, that's a possibility. It's more like what I would like to see, but again, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not making the offers and so on. I think from a player going out perspective, getting rid as sad as I was to see him leave, getting rid of the likes of Awar and Dembele, who've really just been dragging their heels and staying at the club because they know. Well, looking on it now, Awar's made a good move to Roma. They are a step up, Leon. Europa Conference League winners two years ago, Europa League finalist last year, um, and Mourinho, so he's loving life. But Dembele's gone to Saudi Arabia. This is not about Saudi Arabia, but yeah, we'll keep that too. Keep that to another podcast. But again, moving those players on, Thiago Mendes as well, it's a sight and Boateng. Moving these players on is a positive in the sense that there's much more wage budget available. And secondly, it could almost instigate a new dressing room culture. You're going to need Kakra to step up and take some 
leadership responsibilities um, and you don't have senior voices in the dressing room like Moussa Dembele and Awa, who essentially are, as you've just said, like a rotting apple. They don't want to be at the club and that influence just drags the rest of the team down. So trying to find a positive in that regard and seeing that getting players out of the door like Tucker Kambi would be another one could see the dressing room be a bit more fun in the words of um, in the words of Blanc. But again, I think the main pressing situation is to bring players in. And I do like the Chaletta Char signing. Uh, what are your thoughts on bringing a former OM player to Lyon, Jonathan? Have you got any strong feelings about that? Or are you just glad we've signed a reasonable league and quality centre-back? Well, I've, I've changed my mind back and forth. Originally, when the first name came out as a rumour, I was like, oh, you know, can't we get players that haven't talked bad about Lyon? Um, you know, but based on how the summer developed and how lack of money we have and lack of options. And uh, honestly, he's a better option than I thought we could get. I was worried we would get, you know, some, I, I don't know who we would get. And so he's a player who for sure knows Ligue 1, can step in right away, who when he was in Ligue 1, was a, a good Ligue 1 defender. He was, you know, rumored to go to Liverpool, your, your other favorite club. And so, you know, it didn't happen, but he was very promising and very good. And he's not old. He's in his prime right now. So I think it's a very good option. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes the starting position. I'm just uh, surprised because, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought he played mostly on the left side of the defense. And if that's the case, then that's Lukeba's position. Um, and so I don't know if the idea is to have a... a, a you know, Lovren with him, the Croatian back back line, or if it was to have Lovren, uh, Lukeba as a starter. So I don't know if this means maybe Lukeba will be sold. I don't know if he's a replacement or if he's a backup. And I think he's definitely a starter. Um, so that, I'm just concerned with that. But um, He's right-footed, Jonathan. He's right-footed? Okay. So I was wrong. Um, but so he's, it's a very exciting signing for our, our salary. And as Tom pointed out, you know, very creative way to get around the DNCG with... Uh, alone that is only that is office mandatory but comes in and I, I saw some comment online that was funny it, it said uh you know the, the option to purchase is 3.59 million and it was like even was so cheap you know we, we argued over that extra 10,000 and got it from six three point six to 3.59 like that's that's where we're at you rarely see those kinds of figures in, in those transfers so pretty funny but um good good recruit I'm way over the pack that at this point right now about you know Marseille Lyon rivalry for this season we're in a total rebuild uh we need to just get players who can help us and the video also one more thing the video of announcement for him was kind of cool you know it was one of the better ones you know, I've made we're way removed from those shitty uh flashing light videos for the player a few years ago that were so bad you know um, so it was create creative and good and so I'm excited to see what he can do you know yeah, me too. I would definitely say from a signing perspective, I saw we were linked with, I think it was a Bulgarian centre-back from Dyn- a Dynamo club and thought, this is just another Schenk Okajar that we'll probably never see play for the football club. Um, and then for it to turn around, and as you said, Jonathan, Liverpool would try to sign Duyer Chaleta Char for £27 million on deadline day when we have no centre-backs. But, you know, if Liverpool are interested in signing a player of that quality who have reasonably 
always had a decent transfer strategy. There's been some misses like Naby Keita, etc. But every club has transfer misses. More often than not, they've hit the mark. So to get him for the price you're talking, I think the paying loan's, what, 1.5 million euros. It's not a lot of money for his defender of his quality for a season. And as you mentioned, the mandatory fee, etc. For 5 million as a combined package, seems like really good business. Um, coming to the other transfers, Tom, obviously, we all know about Dunicella to Charum. We've seen bits of Mata and Alvaro in pre-season. But what do you think we need to bring in as a must before the end of the window? Well, I think the the Tapia situation shows that there's a real need as a holding midfielder. Um, you could say whatever you like about Taco Mendes, but actually that was his position. Uh, and the fact that he's left means that there's no one really there. I understand that. We said, we discussed this last summer about Tolisso saying, I don't really feel as an eight. Well, tough luck. You don't feel like a starter either, but we didn't say that. Um, so you, you need a six to sort of go behind um, Tolisso and maybe Shirky or Tolisso and Cacre. Or if LeBlanc is going to continue with three in the middle, but even two in the middle, you need a somewhat of a defensive player. I mean, you see Manchester United playing with Casemiro as a double pivot. He's still the guy who breaks up the attacks. So you need someone that's sort of mobile, but also mainly sort of blocks the attacks. You know, I mean, for some reason, I've got Toulalan in mind. It's the sort of guy that, you know, would just break up the attacks, be technical enough to get out of most situations. But if he couldn't, you'd be able to spray out a pass-wise, if not forward. Um, I don't know if Tapia is exactly that, but he had at least the physical attributes and the experience to be able to to slot right into that team and and bring something different that we haven't really seen in a while. I can't really remember of the last really physical DM we've had. Um, you, know, you can't say Tago Mendes was a really solid... Uh, athletic player, could you? So, you know, it's the kind of thing of go, well, was Ndombele really a defensive midfielder? Not really. Uh, but he was at the heart of it. Luca Tuzar is probably the best example I've got recently, which doesn't say much. But um, So, yeah, that's probably the best position we need. And honestly, again, we're not impressed by Saar. But if we're going to keep Saar and Kadawari, I guess we're not going to get another striker, are we? Because um, they're going to alternate there. Hopefully we keep the likes of Barcola, Shirky and all that stuff. But otherwise, we're going to need someone on the wings. As you said, Jafinho's improved, but his end product's still not there. So maybe there is a need for a winger that can play on both sides. But I guess that's not going to come cheap. Um, and we might have to look into the academy. That's the type of thing where I'm like, Again, random example, the, the Chelsea team that couldn't recruit in Lampard's first season, they were like, well, let's just give a chance to to Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham and uh, to Mori and all that stuff. It's obviously the level is quite different. You know, we, I don't if we had a Mason Mount or a Tammy Abraham in the ranks, we would play them straight away. But I think the likes of Eroche and Sekou Liga and other players, Lazari's played as well uh, as wing back. Um, that's the type of players you can promote to the first team and hope for the best. But 
then again, we also have a manager as unlike youth. So, um, you know, you've got to try and balance those ideas with with what we have. Or you just look at it and say, well, playing at Auch and, and youth players is also fun. And that's exactly what Laurent Blanc wants. If he wants to be miserable for the rest of the season, that's his problem. Sounds like a real conflict of interest <laughs> as a football club. When, yes. you've a, when you've a manager who doesn't like playing youth, but has probably one of the youngest teams in league are at present, considering the season. I feel like we had this yeah. with with Rudy Garcia to an extent, but then he kept on underlining the fact that he played Jumande and and the rise of and Bauer. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he had to play it because he didn't have much of a choice. But I think, yeah, arguably recently. I mean, some of us have seen this on the French Lyon Twitter, but a lot of people are bringing back the whole narrative that Rudy Garcia wasn't actually that bad because we got Champions League with him. And like, maybe give me Rudy Garcia bad. right now, I take it. Yeah, but the relationship with everyone, it was horrible. The relationship was terrible, but at least we've managed to dig out some decent results and go towards True. European football. True. But with a far better squad. Well, it's a far better squad, but you've seen since he left the squad deteriorate massively. And that obviously comes down to other reasoning. And this summer, the reason that we can't strengthen the squad is, as you've both mentioned, the transfer restrictions or monitoring, however you want to phrase it, of the, essentially, for those who aren't French-speaking, French French football's finance authority, they they check that the books are in order, the DNCG, so... Essentially, the brunt of it is all our promised that we'd raise 112 million euros in player sales. Only 30 of that has arisen uh, and the books are in a bit of a mess. Um, in terms of moving forward, Jonathan, and you know some of the interesting ways we've seen text to try and get around it this year, like you know trying to bring assets into a well group and trying to sell well sell or well rain all that sort of stuff how do you think this has impacted our summer and again how do you think do you think texture will find a way for us to get out of it at some point in the near future i'm going to try to be as objective as possible on texture you know i have to say as an american person you know i have half american now i've lived here you know many years now i i don't want i, I get uncomfortable when people use the american thing to say you know he's an american which is a negative connotation a lot in europe so i don't want that out of i don't think it's fair because i watch what he's done with botafogo you know i watch a lot of brazilian football as i've talked about here and and botafogo is is miraculous what's happening to them it's a, a leicester kind of leicester city kind of a season so far i mean they're destroying the league no one in the world could have predicted that and so yeah he had a a brief he had to find a code no in the chat Tom just said Casapa as a manager that was just a few games because his coach you know got an offer from Saudi Arabia that he couldn't refuse and left in the middle of the season even though they're in first place so he's trying his best but when you watch that and you watch that Molenbeek went from I know uh, Tom is going to talk about that later but still he brought them up from the second division the first division so he's had a lot of success and Crystal Palace People in French media always put Crystal Palace because it's a bigger name, but he's not very—he's not in charge of decisions there. He's just an investor, so I don't really count that as one of the clubs that he's actually involved with the results. So, you know, that being said, he's had good results. So he's not just some investor who doesn't get involved. He's super involved. He travels to anywhere to see these U21 players. He 
he really cares about, about football. So he's not just a, a money guy. That being said, on the DNCG part specifically, which was the question, he screwed up. He screwed up the DNCG because he should have known and he should listen to advice from whoever was telling him that you have to, they don't accept the way he did it. They don't accept the money on a different account, on a different account that it's not from the club and they don't accept promises that are too complex. All they accept is just, we're going to sell for this amount. That's all they want to hear. We're going to sell. You don't have to even do it. You have to say, we're going to sell for this amount. So say it. Say you're going to sell for this amount. I don't know why he, he couldn't have done that. He couldn't have said, we're envisioning selling this much for next season. You know, like, yeah, like, you know, Chad Thomas said, Toka coming for 20 million. You could have just said that and they probably would have been okay with it or, or anything. So just disappointing that he couldn't get through that because it is impacting his first season. It really is going to change, um, you know, because when he came in, we all said, oh, he's going to inject. What was the number at first? 80 million. And then it got to 50 million. Then it got to 35 million. And now it's 25 million with a salary, you know, cap. So he doesn't have, I'm sure it's not what he, he wanted. He wanted to be able to buy a few top players and, and really give well a chance. And it looks like it's going to be a much slower start because of the money. Um, and I don't, it's partially his fault because he failed that audition. But it's also Olas, who, you know, we're going to talk about the dull spat, but Olas is leaving the club in this position. You know, it, it, this is Olas's work, that we're totally a mess. And the squad's been worse and worse and worse every year with terrible transfer windows and huge salaries. And this is where we're at. And he's gonna, it's going to take a longer time than most of us want to start. But I personally, I have high faith in John Texer. I've seen what he does, and I think he's going to work out for us. I just hope that he's able to cope with the French media and the French environment, which is not pro-America. And if, if something goes wrong, they're pretty much going to go to his case right away. And you know, and he's managed in Brazil, which is not easy either. He's one of the first American investors in Brazil. So I think he can do it. But, you know, we'll see how much patience supporters are willing to give him. And that that's the key to me. Um, and also Blanc, you know, is he going to make a move? You know, Molenbeek was a surprise you know and so we'll see if he does the same with texter i don't think he's gonna he has a lot of patience so um but anyway so i think the question was about texter i have faith in him and i think he's going to make it work it's just it's, i'm seeing it more like a three-year project i don't think this season when i watch ren beat nottingham forest 5-0 and i watch monaco even with their style of play and i watch PSG, of course who are struggling but they're way ahead of us and you talk about marseille marseille is having an amazing transfer window. We're nowhere near those top, those four clubs I just mentioned. And so that's not how we've been historically, but that's just the reality. And I'm, I'm missing out, of course, Lance, of course, but Lance, I, I'm predicting it's going to have a poor year just as the rebound is just the, the cycle is ending and they're going to play Champions League and spend a lot of energy. And, and Lille is up and coming, which I predict is going to be a very good team. So I just don't see Lyon even in the top five, but we'll get to that. It's just, it's going to be a long project. And, He's going to have to get rid of the older, expensive players and restart from scratch. And luckily, Lyon has a lot of young players. So if you give them you know, time, I think it can work. I don't. I, I agree with you on the text situation. I think he's got to be given time. I agree. Excuse my French to pardon the pun. He fucked up with the DNC. He didn't need to try three or four different ways. All he essentially, all he essentially needed to do was just say, as you said, We'll sell these players and show. Oh, and we'll show 
evidence of it, which is what all I didn't, which kind of brings me on to the next section of my question to you, Jonathan, but I'll ask you it, Tom. I think you want to speak about something you've wrote about for Get French Football News is essentially what's been going on between Ola and Texter this summer and is there a bit of bad blood between one of his, I think his former employees that you've written about today? Do you want to dive into the lover's tiff between Ola and Texter and what's been happening with Molenbeek? Yeah, I'll, I'll focus on Molenbeek first. So the piece I wrote today was about the goalkeeper coach. Um, it's not him specifically, but he's the first, he's the only one that's spoken out. But basically, five days ahead of the uh, return of the Belgian first division, uh, he Texas decided that he wants to scrap the whole of the the coaching staff. So manager uh, and and assistants and so the, the goalkeeping coach in question uh, Bergsman I think he's called um, and the opening art quote that the the Belgian media the Ladeash used is basically saying that text has destroyed in two months what we've built in eight years Um which I feel he's he's been doing a lot and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. It's like he takes things into his own hands and doesn't really care for what's already there. Um, I, I guess to a certain extent, that's what he, he's done with Olas. And then you can feel that in his communication in general, um, that he's sort of like, I want to do it my way. Obviously, all three of us have read the, the Athletics article, the, the interview he had a few weeks ago. Uh, where he talks about, well, his sort of motivation to sell Crystal Palace shares quite soon and find another club probably in the championship, um, that his relationship with, with Olas was just not very good because he's not very open to change. I think that was more or less the, the bottom line of what he was saying. But also he's got a major issue with the way that French football is is handled and, and regulated. You can say whatever you like about the French Federation and the way they handle internal issues. You think to what Roman Molina was talking about ahead of the World Cup, um, but even the choice of coaching. I mean, obviously now Diak and Ripoll are out of the, the question, but there's a thing that you can't really get against is the DNCG as much as you can criticize it and that we are in obviously a difficult financial situation now because we're restricted it's also a very healthy way of regulating French football which has avoided a lot of clubs to you know go down the the financial bankruptcy route obviously now there's a whole thing with social going on but there's lots of clubs in the UK that have gone bankrupt because there isn't that kind of regulator um, you know, think to Blackpool and, and all those other clubs uh, that have sort of gone down the channels and, and disappeared. So I think his approach of everything is bad, uh, Bury as well, uh, obviously Blackpool was more like bad management, but Bury's obviously disappeared now. Um, Texas' approach to French football is sort of reminds me of what Zlatan was talking about when he arrived, of like, Oh, French football's refereeing is shit, and um, I'm above all of this. And it's it's just we're above all of this. And I'm like, Texter, there's 
yes, the refereeing is bad and a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of things that don't work in French football. But you're not going to make your situation isn't going to improve by going against it. I think if you apply to the rules, and sort of like when you go traveling to another country and you just refuse to learn any kind of words or you say all these stupid customs are bad, that's not going to get you anywhere. And I think for Texter, it's sort of a process to say, okay, well, my tactics are this and the French regulations are this. They're very different, but we can try and find a common ground to make it work. And we all know that the decision were harsh on us, but probably not as harsh as they could have been. I mean, there's an article from the Keep saying we could have been relegated uh, seeing our finances. And it's because of our good relationship with the decision and, you know, alas, being a bit all over the place, like, oh, I hate Texter, but also I want to help my club, but also going against it publicly. There's a whole difficult relationship there where you just don't quite know what's going on. The big thing I did get from that whole Molenbeek situation is that he puts a lot of pressure on the staff, on the players, and that regularly is coming to training and saying, you need to play these players, otherwise I will break other contracts. And I don't imagine that going on the same way at Lyon because it's a bigger institution than a second division club that is Molenbeek. But just imagine if he's coming into the dressing room and putting pressure on Laurent Blanc and saying, you absolutely have to start Cataware on the left wing next week. Then you sort of go, well, how is that going to work? So you just don't want the overarching president that we had with Olas. But even Olas wasn't showing up in the dressing room putting that kind of pressure on his own team. He was always putting his team above everything else. He was putting pressure on the referees, and I'm sure Texter, if he's around, will do the same. But it's going to be a tricky one, and he has to learn that regulations are different to what he expects, and he has to adapt to it while still keeping what's made him successful in Botafogo, because I don't think everything needs to be thrown away. Yeah, I think the the one thing from what I've just heard from both of you say is that it's still kind of new, and he's not ever really... Well, he hasn't had investment into French football, and as you've said, Jonathan, there's a tarnished view in Europe in general when it comes to say American investment into football it can be they can have some wacky ways of doing things but that's not to say it's not successful I mean you look at FSG what the Cookies have done with Arsenal over the last you know two years with Arteta and entrusted in someone the club has drastically improved uh, and then there's the other side of it I'm speaking mainly English obviously with American investment being prevalent massively in English football there's United with the Glazers etc but even with their investment, there's still been some form of success. It's just fizzled out and gone on too long. Um, but he needs to be given time. I don't think we can just throw him off straight away. He's trying to do things. I'm not familiar with the situation in Butterfly. I think they were first after six games. I don't know what's happening now. But again, if they are... first at the halfway point with 12 points ahead of the second place. Shit a brick. Okay. So, yeah. There's success in what he's doing, but when we see that Leon, as you said, Jonathan, you can't expect it this season. You've got to give... I remember when some owners went into QPR, they established something called the five-year project, and within five years, they'd made it to the Premier League. I mean, they absolutely shit the bed when they got to the Premier League. They didn't... 
they invested in players like Esteban Granero and Adel Tarat and Julio Cesar and went down the same season. But, you know, they established a project and reached their goal. And that's the sort of thing that Lyon need to do, not in QPR fashion. But, you know, set out some clear goals for each season and establish how we want to create them. Uh, but we're not. If we were in charge of the club, I'm sure we'd think we'd make things much better. But again, we're talking about it and we don't have the background that they do. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword on that front. But on a more positive note, or should I say negative note, how do we think we're going to do this season? Um, I'm not going to ask for predictions yet. We'll save those for the end. But how are you feeling about the new season, Jonathan? Are you excited? Are you hopeful? Are you apprehensive, anxious? What's the word? How are you feeling? Well, I kind of already talked about how I see other clubs being ahead of us. And I think it's very important, and I'll start with myself, to lower our expectations. And it's hard for people who've been historical supporters of Lyon or watched for many years. Um, we're used to winning. We're used to being in the top teams. I just would use AC Milan to me. That's what I think about very often as a comparison about how they were one of the best teams in the world, or the best team in the 90s, and then fantastic still in the 2000s. And then they just had a huge drop and for many years until they've recently rebounded and it takes time. And that's, that's how I see we're in this rebuild. And um, so to me, it sounds silly, but I just want to stay in Ligue 1. I want to stay in Ligue 1. That's the first step. And I want to be a top 10. I, I think that's really, you know, top eight. I, I don't see, I would love if we can get a conference conference, uh, league position for next year so we can say we're in Europe but I don't want to say our goal is a top four because uh, it looks like possibly next year we get four uh, Champions League teams and I know people have been saying that but it still remains to be seen based on how French does this year so so far it looks like French would have four spots in the Champions League which makes it easier but I still think a conference league would be a great opportunity for us to play in Europe again, but so not not predictions, but I'm 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 excited to see certain players. As you guys know, I love Ryan Cherky. I'm excited to see him develop. I'm excited to see hopefully Barcola can stay. I'm excited to see the trio in front, uh, Jeffinho improve. I'm excited about certain things, and I'm also concerned about uh, you know the club regressing continuously. And I, I worry this is going to be another season where the club goes backwards because the investment was not there and we haven't recruited anyone to really change the dynamic. So, And I don't think the coach is the right coach for us. But besides that, I still want to be, if I lower my standards, like I just said, to really low, then I think we could surpass them. I think we could stay in Ligue 1 this year. <laughs> and I think we could uh, be in the Conference League. I really would like that. I think if we can get a six six position, I'll take it. But it's sad. To, it's honestly very sad to say. It is when you've, as you've said, obviously I can't relate because of when I started following the football club. But when you've had that seven year run of winning trophies, and you know, I can just about remember the Coupe de France win, but it doesn't sit right. I mean, I got into Leon playing with them on FIFA 09. That's my, you know, first memory of the team in that period. And you think, well, at that moment in time, they were still one of the best teams in France, regularly playing in the Champions League, obviously the semi-final against Bayern, etc. Now, we're lucky if we get to a Coupe de France semi-final and 
we'll still probably shit the bed if we ever do get there as we did last season. So it's a, it's a sad prospect that you're having to say that, but you are correct in your assumptions that I'll give you my prediction now, even though I said I'd do it at the end. Sixth place feels like a pipe dream. I think we'll finish eighth, ninth. I don't think we're the sixth best team in the league and in, even with a good manager, that would be an overachievement. Um, <laughs> Jonathan's just said, in the FIFA days, OL used to be featured as the best team in France and considered by commentators. That's not mentioned anymore, which is absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, I don't think it's been that case for probably 10 years. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs when you're actually talking about a team like Lyon finishing in mid-table and that probably being ninth is mid-table this season. Um and that being replicated as, you know, probably where Lyon are. I look at Lille, Rennes, PSG, Monaco, um, OM, Lens, possibly Strasbourg, if they keep on signing players like Silla and Zalarian, uh, Nice. Um, and when you've got teams performing like... Nice have got Terra Muffy, Nice have got young players like Hisham Boudaoui, Jean-Claire Todibo... Leon don't have any one of that quality besides Lacazette, Kakare, Barcola. Um, obviously, they've got to keep those players as you can't see our chat that Tom say that Tom's just said, but still needs to follow better in the chats than it actually is. It is. If you could <laughs> see our chats, you'd be thinking, "Wow, what what a podcast!" <laughs> but no, in terms of the teams we're fighting with, like, you know, Strasbourg have got the money that Chelsea have got, essentially. They're just signing all Chelsea's young players that are going to be playing at Stamford Bridge in three years' time. You know, if they get Wahi from Montpellier, they're probably looking like a stronger force uh, next season. Um, it's, uh, and then, you know, you always have a surprise team like Clermont or Lorient at times last season. And Clams, for example, if Will Still can instill some more um, of his magic or whatever it was that everyone went batshit crazy over last season. I'm worried about where we could actually finish because if we do start the season, well, I was listening to our good friends Baptiste and Jerry Magon who did a bit of a, it was essentially like 20 minutes on Leon after two questions that you'd asked Tom. And they essentially said, if Leon don't get six or seven points from their opening two games, the pressure hits straight away. And you just think, you know, two points, 34 games is 68 points, which is probably enough for, I would say, fourth, third. Um, and Leon are probably looking at high, high 50s as a maximum is what I could see us getting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's difficult to see where the club's going this season. Um, what about you, Tom? Are you going to instill us with some positivity after my miserable rumble? Um, the positivity I can get is that someone in the GFFN chat believes that we'll finish fifth. Not me, but someone did. Um, we tried, Liam will know about this because we're in the same group, but so I, in my, I'm not going to name names, but someone tried. We tried doing the predictions and trying to see who was going to finish where. And mm-hmm. at least one or two people were like, "Yeah, Leon finished fifth." It's like, 
I think there's an understanding, and I think I must have talked about this with another Leon fan the other day, about there's an understanding that Leon fans have about their club that nobody else does. It's like yeah. understanding the level of talent that Shirky has. If you don't watch him every week, you don't know how good he is. You just he's overhyped uh, football manager player. But you also, if you don't watch Leon every week or you don't follow the news on a daily basis, you also don't know how bad the situation is behind the scenes. Some have concluded very well that um, the situation might go downhill like it has done with Bordeaux, for example. Um, I've had this chat with, with Baptiste and, and with other people um, about how this once great club that was Bordeaux, you know, champions of France 15 years ago, um, is now, well, nearly got back into Ligue 1 after one year in Ligue 2, but decided that a scrap on the last day was better idea. Um, but like financially had the whole thing with Jao Lopez and so on, and Texter might be exactly the same. Um, so we're not going to go back into Texter, but just thinking that I just don't want to drop down the ladder like Saint-Étienne did, you know, playing Europe less than 10 years ago. And slowly, slowly, slowly going downhill. Um, you think to there's a whole thing of sleepwalking to relegation. <clears throat> I don't think we're quite there. I'm I'm a bit more optimistic than Jonathan about staying up in Ligue 1. But now that we've got only 18 teams left, then who knows? Um, you know, we might get <laughs> sucked into relegation like Everton have. But yeah, you've mentioned all the teams are better than us. I haven't followed exactly what Rennes have done over the summer, but I know they already had a better team and it got better. Um, even if they do sell, uh, well, Blast will obviously come in, but if sell uh, Oguachu or whatever his name is to Chelsea, um, obviously now Meyer might leave as well and, and there's other players that might leave, but ultimately they've got rid of the Deadwood and brought in better players. So there's, there's just things... Where they're better, Lance, I agree with Jonathan, might have the sort of backhand of what Leicester got after their title season of, oh my God, this is Champions League football and we're not actually that good. Uh, and they've lost Seko Fofana and Openda. So, you know, that's the kind of thing where we might be competing with them. But again, better management, better recruits. We're the ninth or eighth best team in the league. Um, even if we do end up doing what we did at the end of last season of like sort of that top title run <laughs> we had at some point of being the best team in the second part of the season, we've got to handle that throughout the rest of the season. We've always talked about one half FC. We also talk about one half of the season FC. There's always one point where it's either the ending or the start of the season that goes really poorly. So if we're already going on the basis that the start of every half is going to be terrible, then maybe the first few weeks will be terrible. And I might agree with um, Baptiste that if we don't get six points in the first month, things could start getting bad. Uh, you've got international break at the start of, or late August or start of September. And then you've got another one in October. Every four weeks, you've got an international break. And every four weeks, you can reassess whether Blanc is in the right position. We finish August with PSG. Then we've got, I think, Lorient and Marseille or Rennes before each international break. And I always say that international breaks are ideal to change a manager. Then I guess Laurent Blanc might be on a tightrope that every international break you get assessed 
by management and say, well, you're not quite there yet. Or you're just a bad manager and you should go back to Qatar and play golf. That's the kind of thing where I'm thinking, but also who could come in? You know, Julien Stéphane's on the market, I guess, but there's going to be a market for young French managers to go and take over the the under-21 squad. Uh, Lamouchi, I think, is on the market as well. That could be interesting as well. Not quite the same pedigree, but there's managers out there. Maybe not Pep Guardiola level, but Lyon aren't able to attract the best managers in the league anymore. But maybe you can start thinking outside the box again. Um, you know, Farioli has come into Nice. That might be a success after working on the Zerbi. Who knows? I'm not saying that we have to change manager now. I want to give Laurent Blanc a chance because ultimately, if we didn't play well, we at least got results, which I guess is what we need at the moment. You know, it's a it's a positive cycle. You get the results, positive output. Stop playing the younger players. Stop playing better. You get into Europe. You get better players, and so on. Let's get the results. It might be a terrible year from a playing style point of view. Let's try and get some goals. Like it can be top scorer once again once Mbappe is out. And we'll have a okay season as an excitement point of view. This podcast will be as boring as it has been in the last few months, but you know, at least we'll have results to talk about. Who knows? We'll try bring some positivity at some point in the season. Let's, let's right, try to do so the, the positive section of the week and we'll see what we could come well, up with. Well, I'm hoping this next section might be the positive section of the week. I've just thought this up in the last five minutes, so bear with me. We'll end the podcast with some quick-fire questions, old-style, as we've done in the past, and you'll answer the questions. After five or ten words, I will stop you, so you've got to be quick-fire. Uh, first of all, where did Leon finish this season? I'll come to you first, Jonathan. Seven. Tom? Eight. I'll go with eight as well. I think that's... We're all in the same mindset there. How many goals will Alexandre Lacazette score this season? Jonathan? 18. Okay. It's going to be a Jonathan. bad season. It's going to be a bad season if he gets 18. Yeah, it will be. What about you, Tom? Are you on the same side or do you think he'll replicate his scoring season from last year? I know they're, they're changing regulations on, on handballs. So I, I said 10 words. Less penalties, less goals. 25. Okay. Um, will Laurent Blanc be Lyon manager at the end of the season? Jonathan? No. Tom? He won't be at Christmas. That's right. less than 10 words. Yeah. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's fair. No, I would agree with the end of the season. I think he'll get it till Christmas. But... Um, what happens with Jean Texter in 12 months' time? Is he renowned or is he hated? He's hated. Tom? I thought he was the wrong word. He is... Disliked. Yeah, after his poor season. Tom? Yeah, I've, I don't think it's Gerard Lopez level, but he's disliked. Okay. Because um, season is bad, not financially. <laughs> the bad season, right. And finally, do we sell 
you can elaborate on this one with which ones you think we might sell, but do we still have Shirky, Barcola and Luke Caber at the football club at the end of the summer window? And, you know, say which ones you think might leave, if you do think so, Jonathan. I think the only one who could leave is Luke Caber. Um, Not that I would sell either of them, but because we have a backup, sort of, and they might have to sell one. And I hope it's that one of the three. And then I hope it's a good price. So we can't score goals if we don't have Barcola or Shaky. <laughs> yeah, that's my fear. Um, Tom, are you of the same opinion? I am of the same opinion. I'm just trying to word it properly and saying how at the current stage, Barcola might be more valuable than Shirky to the team that mentioned. And... I don't think people realize that. And they're like, everyone's going on about, oh, this is ridiculous to put 40 million from PSG on Barcola. He is worth that. And he will be worth that. If you're able to put, was it 38 million or a bit less on, on Paredes and Soler, mm-hmm. Barcola is easily better than that already today, knowing that he will mm, need I agree. six months to a year in the gym to bulk up and still be skinny, rapid and brilliant. He yeah. was the best player at the under 21 euros for France. And he mm-hmm. only played two games or something. So he played four, Luke but he started two. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, Lukeba's got a backup. We're gonna have a Croatian centre back pairing. And Shirky is invaluable. But I think the fact that Kuchi or whatever his name is, <laughs> can't pronounce it in English. It just doesn't sound right, but um <laughs> has said that Barcola and Shirky are both invaluable to the project does not it's not a good sign you know it's the same thing that Ola said about Paqueta and Bruno Olas is gone Olas is gone yes just Pucci remember that is used to selling jeans and, heart and clothes <laughs> not players let's give him chance let's give I'll him give chance I'll give him a chance but if on the 1st of September all three of those youngsters are gone I don't think we'll be very happy so, which one leaves, if any leaves? Luke Haber leaves. Okay. I if think any leaves. Yeah. I, I still think if Leipzig is still around 23, 25 million, he won't leave for that. If he leaves no. for under 35 million, it's going to be hell. The, as I've understood it, they'll come back in with one more offer. Their latest offer is 32.5 and they'll come in with That's one more offer. And it's going to be a little bit more, but it won't be massively more. So I think you're looking 35, 36 as their maximum. That, honestly, and for the level that Luke Eber showed last year, 35 million is a good price. Euros, not pounds. Yes. I think he's better sold at 35 than Bruno was at however many he was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think sold. Time, he will be. He will be a... He'll definitely be in the from squad in four or five years. Yeah, time. but I it's always the question of how likely is it we're going to see him at that level. The last time but we saw Leon. the last oh, time we saw a Leon graduate play at his very best level is either Samuel Umtiti in 2016 or Nabil Fekir. Otherwise, Fine. we've not seen any players from the Leon Academy play at their very best level at Lyon, apart from maybe Lacazette at the moment, but that's because Arsenal didn't work out. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I just think... So selling him Barco- at 35 million is pretty good. 
It just Luke depends. Like, if you look at like Disasi and Badia Shield to Chelsea and those, yeah, look that is criminal. I can't and believe they sold it for that much. But like, when you see those numbers, you say, how could he be worth 10, 15 million less He's than worth that? 50 exactly. So that, that's what's frustrating because the market is so off. But 35 in itself was not a bad transfer. It's just the others are so outrageous. Yeah, it's, it's Stuart getting plowing money into Monaco. He's still he's a spy from Monaco. <laughs> so, Luke, yeah, away from the quick fire questions, which has disappeared. <laughs> um, it's a good idea. It's a good section. We have to do that more often. <laughs> I think your answer was about 100 words, Tom, and not 10. <laughs> Are you said it could elaborate. I elaborated. I gave you the opportunity to elaborate. Yes, I was more lenient in you my opened the door. rules. <laughs> yes, it was an open, open. question. Uh, like a 24-hour supermarket, one might say. Um, yeah. If all three of them were to leave, it would be catastrophic. And I'm, I'd am i be questioning how much Leon I'd be watching this season. I genuinely would. It would be dramatically painful if we did, if all three left. Uh, but I just because of the DMCG situation and the fact you can't adequately replace them, um, I do expect all three to remain at the football club. Come 12 months' time, I won't be shocked if all three have left. To be quite frank, next summer I think could be a completely different situation, but this summer I think just because of where the club is, where you know transfers are and how difficult the market is with Saudi Arabia and the Premier League spending power, Leon really can't compete. So as and Tom's put in our chat, January could as you saw with Gusto, if Premier League clubs clubs come knocking with 40, 50 million euros, they're not going to turn away. So let's see how we get on. I hope you enjoyed our not so quick five questions at the end, but there's our predictions for the season and maybe we'll bring that back at some points during the season when we've got the occasion to. Um but as always Thanks for listening. You've got another season of our depressing French, Yorkshire and American influences on OL. Um, hopefully, there is something to shout about. I feel like I say this every week. Um, we'll try guests often. on. Maybe they'll be happier. Yeah, we'll bring some guests on. I think is obviously we've... welcome once again. Anyone's welcome as long as they've got an interest in Lyon and have a... A positive influence because we need some positive influence on the podcast right now. Um, but yeah, we'll be with you this season. Hopefully, we'll improve our recording schedule a little bit um, and be back with regular episodes. But when things get as bad as they can with Leon, we can't promise anything. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. And hopefully, we'll see you after the first game of the season with a win against Strasbourg. Cheers, guys. Bye.